0: Helen Douthwood Teasdale, and welcome to Brass Evolution, a show where we explore the rich culture and history of the brass banding world. In this episode, I chat to Band Blast from the Past's blogger and postcard collector, Jeremy DeCorte, about his own collection, Australian Banding, and how these cards and their messages can help us uncover the banding past. So, welcome to the podcast, Jeremy all the way from Australia. Whereabouts in Australia are you based Jeremy?
1: Um, In Ballarat in Victoria.
0: Wow okay so excellent link to the last episode which we did about George Allen and Thomas Bulch because I think Thomas Bulch wrote the March Ballarat and was based there for quite a while. Yes (laughs) so this is you know this has kind of come together quite nicely. Jeremy tell us about yourself and what you do.
1: Okay well I'll go with the employment first because that's easy. (laughs) Um, I'm a a teacher librarian in a, in a state secondary school in Melbourne and um, I do a lot of historical research for the school. Um, I'm also an instrumental te- music teacher at the school where I actually teach violin and viola. Okay. So that's that's my day job. <laughs> um, I've been involved in the community band scene in Victoria for nearly 35 years. I started out at the Southern Area Concert Band where I play, initially played oboe for 20 years. And now I'm on percussion. I'm also a life member of that band. And I'm also a member of the Stonington City Brass Band in um, Malvern, Victoria, which is a over 100-year-old um, brass band. They started out life as Malvern Tramways Band. Yeah, so I'm at both bands, I'm sort of the ad hoc historical officer. I'm also a member of the, um, the Victorian Bands League Executive Council, where I'm one of the two vice presidents, and I'm responsible for the history and archives at the league.
0: Today we're going to talk about some of your collection that you have. How did you come about starting to collect sort of brass band memorabilia, postcard, badges and
1: mementos? Um, I think I started around 2018 because I was doing some research for one of my early blog posts on the um, National Australian Band which toured um, England in 1927 and I was looking for pictures of them and um, I came across a postcard site in New Zealand. And they had some collections of Australian postcards. And I got in contact with the person who ran that site, the Postcard Society. And I'd already um, collected a postcard of the Maori band from New Zealand. So I offered to um, send it to him. And he said, oh, look, I've got some Australian band postcards here. I'll send them to you. And some of them were of the Australian National Band. And they were part of a series of five postcards published in Canada when the band was in touring Canada. And I managed to track down all the other four postcards and it just snowballed from there. So um, I've been avidly looking at eBay and other places for collections of postcards. And that's where I find most of my stock. Um, I've got over 250 postcards now, a variety of things. And of course, during the lockdowns in Victoria, um, during COVID, the hobby just probably got a little bit out of hand because it was on eBay <laughs> every day. But, you know, I've built up a collection that's um, I think is nationally renowned now. It's um, certainly got a lot of variety and the brass band fraternity in, in Australia have been very supportive and very interested at in that.
0: Do you specialise in a specific kind of post? Like, do you specialise in Australian brass bands or is it just sort of general brass banding?
1: It's 99% of it would have to be Australian brass bands. It's it's just the nature of where I live. I do of have course. some New Zealand New Zealand ones as well. Um, I do have some British ones. I have um, quite a large stock of um, postcards of the Bessers of the Barn Band that when they toured Australia in 1907. Well, my only stipulation is that postcards have to be original. So most of them are from the early 1900s up to about 1970 or 60 or 70. So they, they encompass a wide range of... Um, ages but they're all pretty special and um you know each one of them has a story so. absolutely
0: yeah i was going to ask you as well what are some of the sort of themes and the subjects that you're coming across and the, the postcards that you find because i've found generally that they, they come as sort of quite a formalized photo of the band in sort of formation or this you know it can range from that all the way to you know events concerts bandstands what are the kind of themes and subjects that you come across on your postcards
1: so I've had to split my albums. One is just for bands at the moment, which is going to be further split because it's getting too full. Um, I do have one of um, bandstands as well. So band rotundas and bandstands, which is, you know, it's, um, that's devoted to a whole album by itself. Within the brass band ones, you're right, there are a lot of the ones that have the formal photos. You know, they're all sitting nicely in formation. They've got their instruments sorted out and... Um, so there's a few themes that come out of it. Um, obviously, there's some that are of the the South Street competition at um, Ballarat, which is pretty famous. I have about six or seven postcards. I have some of the national bands that went. So there's about um, eight postcards of the National Australia Band that I've got. And there's just a variety of others as well. There's single bandsmen. I do have a lot of military band postcards from um, the first um, AIF and Royal Australian Navy. Yeah, so some of the ones of the Royal Australian Navy are interesting because they're um they're from when the HMAS Melbourne was stationed in Bermuda as part of the North Atlantic Squadron. So that band was, you see the band carrying instruments on races or marching through the centre of town. And, yeah, so it's some of my military ones. But they're going to have an album by themselves because they're also getting a bit much. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> I find that, yeah, once you, yeah, you, the, the ever-expanding collection, that's what that's
1: called. <laughs> yeah exactly but i don't think i'll stop because there's always more stuff to find and you know they're just they're really special there's some amazing photos there and it's stuff you don't always see you know like tiny country bands victoria and you get a single bass drummer holding posed with his drum or a single bugler or um something like that so
0: do you use the postcards that you collect to assist you with the research that you do
1: Yes, I do, because they provide names, dates, ages, a bit of interpretation. There's some that I haven't positively identified, because they simply come with no identifying marks. One of the postcards I have of the Malvern Tramways Band actually has all their competition results up till 1924 printed on the back. Brilliant. So it's a bit of a promotional postcard. I have one from 1908 of an instrument repairer in Brisbane, where... Um, you know, that's something special again. It's the only one I have of that kind. I also have some of the um, Aboriginal mission bands, which is ones that I don't usually bring out because they're a bit controversial in my eyes. Sure. Um, both of those postcards I actually found from sellers in America.
0: These postcards just give such a good timestamp. Uh, it's like, you know, a literal moment frozen in time. And it's great that the variety of postcards that are out there. A lot of the ones that I see are very much sort of the formalised brass band with hundreds of trophies in front of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the fact that you had a repairer one, that's very interesting. I don't think I've ever come across anything like that.
1: Well, it, it lists him as a as a um, brass band repairer. He, he repaired brass and, and actually came out from England to Brisbane and set himself up in a music shop and he um, offered – repairs on all sorts of instruments he sold pianos as well but he specialized in brass band instrument repair
0: there's always that mystery it's like who are you and like we need to go back in time to try and find out where like it'd be great to find out who that was if we could find that ancestry there but that's you know if there's no um information other than the image it's you do go down a bit of a black hole sort of thing
1: yeah, you can. But in Australia, we're lucky to have the, um, the Trove Archive, which is run by a national library. So we can look up newspaper articles and names and places all through that. So that provides a bit more background to the postcards that I'm either acquiring or I've already got. So I always do due checking as to where the postcards have come from and um, whether they can be related to any other events.
0: I'll I'll definitely put a link to that Trove archive um as part of the description for the podcast because that's really interesting, something to look at different. Um I think similarly in the UK we have sort of a British newspaper um yes. archive which yep. you can look at and obviously Ancestry.com. Other other genealogy providers uh, um are available. Have you found any sort of interesting messages on any back like of any of the postcards that you've found?
1: Yes. There's some very special ones. Um occasionally I've bought a postcard just for the message, right? Okay. Um, like, there's one postcard of you know a stylised woman on the front, but on the back of it's a heartfelt message from a bandsman from the 15th Battalion stationed in France. So he sent that home to his his family. So there's a few First World War ones. There's others where they've just said they've enjoyed the band, they've seen the band. Have you, you know, some of them from um, the Bessers ones? Um, they were actually. Brought out here by Bessers as souvenirs, and they're actually sent from two Australian places to another Australian place. So there's some funny messages on the back of them as well. Have you seen Bessers? We're going to see them tonight, or whatever else, and this kind of thing. So, because um, Bessers toured very extensively throughout Australia. So there's there's you know. <laughs> their touring schedule was um something to be believed, so their postcards are really unique you see them from all over places you actually place them in different cities at certain times just because of the messages on the back
0: that's so interesting i was gonna say as well i've never it didn't even cross my mind to think of the reverse of the postcard i.e the front image could be something completely unrelated but the actual script or message could be from a bandsman or about a band and i that is something that I will definitely bear in mind in the future because it gives you an insight into the public perception or the the actual lives of the bandsmen oh, certainly, as yes, they were doing yes. their work, yeah.
1: Oh, uh, Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, these were the text messages of the day. Yes. <laughs> you know, so when people sent something, they they also provided a snapshot of what they were thinking and their family members. Quite a lot of my postcards are blank, but... Quite a number of them also have messages on the back, so they're, they're really special to read too. And what I do when I get a postcard and I'm cataloguing it and referencing it, is I actually scan both sides, no matter what's on the front and back. So I have a digital scan of, of both sides of the postcard, and that gets entered into my you know little research database.
0: Yeah, I also found that, um, I don't know if you find this as well, but it's quite interesting to see if there's a photographer or company name on the back, even if the postcard yes. is blank itself. Yep. Just to give you an idea of whereabouts the actual image was taken or by a by which photographer, um, I've got a couple of blank ones there, but I can kind of source them back to an individual photographer if you get my gist.
1: Yeah, oh, totally, yeah. Two of my postcards date from 1905. And they're actually taken by the same photographer in Ballarat when two bands came to Ballarat to play in the South Street competitions. So one was the Paran City Band, which was from Melbourne, and they had their their photo taken in the studio. But the other one is of the Zeon Town Band, which came from far western Tasmania, which involved a, a trip overland, then getting a ship to Victoria, then a train to Ballarat. And... Um, their photo was actually really funny because I looked up a newspaper article and it say they had their photo taken in summer tunics. So you got this whole band sitting there um, dressed in their white tunics um, and sitting there for their studio photo. So two two photos from two unrelated bands, but with the same photographer in the same year. And sure enough, if you look up the, the Royal South Street results for that year, both bands appear in the same sections. So... And I figured, well, where there's two photos, there's got to be more. So hopefully more, more photographs will turn up from that year um, <laughs> from the same photographer.
0: Absolutely. Fingers crossed we find them. <laughs> let's move on to your other collections. So in terms of badges and mementos, can you just give us a little insight into the kind of badges and little, let's call them trinkets, <laughs> that you have as well as your, <laughs> your postcards?
1: The badges aren't as numerous as the postcards, obviously. I don't get a huge amount of them. Um, and it's only certain bands that produce them. So the badges are really interesting because when you get something that's about the same size, I don't know what the equivalent is in the UK, but something of the size of, a, say, a 10-cent a piece in Australia yep. or yep. you know, a 20-cent piece, and they've tried to, to print a whole band photo on it. That's, um, that's, it can get a bit tiny. I, 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 again, I digitally scan the badge. So I have a database of that as well. Some of the badges are, are quite special in it. They were produced by the one badge manufacturer in Sydney or Melbourne. And you can definitely tell a theme there. So I've got a grouping of four badges from Launceston in Tasmania, where they had four brass bands at the time. And, um, each of them had their own band emblems, um, put on this badge. So you put the four of them together in a little set. And then we have um, a couple of badges of band queens where they were, were women in a town were trying to raise money for the band and um, they actually had the band queens on these badges. So that took a bit of finding because you have to look up Tro to find out what the relationship was. And others are just, you know, there's a few bandstand ones. Um, they're, they're all pretty tiny, actually. We, we call them tinnies over here. Yeah. <laughs> And others are just um, ones for tours, um, say, like the South Australian Citadel Band going to Geelong or um, Tasmania or something like that. So, um you know, because the, the bands in Australia travelled quite extensively, so there's badges from everywhere and bands everywhere.
0: These such tiny items that could so easily get lost to the, you know, annals of time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's so great that you've you managed to collect so many and I'm sure there are many more out there. It's just trying to get a hold of them, it's it's pretty difficult. Well, there,
1: there are so. and it, and I know they exist and it, it's more of a point of where I feel inclined to, to buy them or yes. they're rare. I know that a lot of them are actually coming out of South Australia so they must have had a badge producer in South Australia who produced them for all the bands. I do dismiss any badges at exorbitant prices. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> I think if you're selling something so tiny, there's no reason to have it on on eBay for three hundred dollars.
0: <laughs> I, I love I love when the description is like, very rare. <laughs> yeah, let's well, let's ten times the price.
1: <laughs> that they there might be, but you know, there's people who do want to collect them, and there's no way they're going to be sold at the price they're given. So.
0: No, yeah. no, I understand. And the reason that you're collecting them is to preserve them and obviously share the yeah, knowledge right. Pre- and the information. Yeah, preserve,
1: share, interpret um, because they are useful and they will eventually form part of my research into this kind of thing. So, you know, I I use my postcards in my in my blog, and um and I obviously share them on Facebook because I think the band community in Australia is very interested in them. And um, during COVID, we've really I think we've come back to look at our history a bit more, and um, you know, it's something great for the Australian band community.
0: Definitely, a lot of research happened during COVID. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have much else to do. An <laughs> explosion of research happened, but really fascinating. And obviously, I will share the links to your blog as well, and everyone can have a little look on there and some of the fascinating things that you've got. Yep. yep. What's What's the most interesting discovery you've made, Jeremy?
1: Oh, same. Look, I listened to your blog poster with Gavin Holman it's much the same with me there's there's just so many things um in terms of postcards I think I'm just trying I don't have them in front of me but I, I think um I think the ones of the South Street ones are probably most interesting um we have one taken across the the football field where they had one of the competitions and it's just absolutely crammed with people watching the bands. And I reckon there was about twenty to 30,000 people watching the, our Quick Step competitions, which is something I don't believe you do in Britain, um, is the Quick Step. They're, they're purely an Australian and New Zealand band movement invention. And it was where bands had to do a precision march while playing music at a certain amount of paces and times, all paced by marching judges, where they had to do corner movements and this kind of thing. And, you know, you see a band going off in their manoeuvres and another band waiting to do their section of the competition. And I, I can't date this postcard, but it's very it's just so typical of what used to go on at Ballarat South Street competitions, indeed any competition over Australia. There is a link in one of my blog posts to a quick step competition in New Zealand um, where you can actually see a competition in 1912 where the bands were marching around on an oval <laughs> paced by judges in pouring rain.
0: It just goes to show, as well, like the the postcards themselves shows the, I mean, a snapshot of the popularity of these kinds of events and the bands. Because a lot of the postcards and images I see, that there's hundreds, if not thousands, of people surrounding bandstands on piers yep. at competitions. Um, yes, just shows how popular it was.
1: Oh, totally. yeah. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, I don't think in Australia. It, the gramophone had a huge effect on on that kind of thing. Certainly there's reports of, you know, five or 6,000 people crowding a bandstand to listen to a community singing event and this kind of thing. And I think I've also got some other postcards of South Street with the Collingwood Citizens Band, and you see huge crowds in there. In fact, one of the postcards is titled, um, looking at the back of a fat head. So it's actually done from the perspective of one of the members of the audience trying to watch the bands marching around and all he can see in front of him is a sea of heads and, <laughs> and and hats. Um but then again another postcard out of that set has um a picture of the mass bands display where they teamed up with all the bands that were in the competition, which would have been about twenty or thirty, um doing a mass bands in front of the oval because the governor of Victoria was visiting. So and that was in nineteen oh nine. So um you know there's there's some fascinating stories and um things out there to to see
0: it's good to hear that there's still a bit of humor there you know
1: <laughs> when oh, you see no, all it's... these
0: very formalized photos and then you know you've got you got to laugh a little bit you know that they still had they had the humor back then as well
1: <laughs> oh no totally yeah it's, it's it's a pretty funny photo and it's and it's actually a bit unique cuz it looks like the photo's been hand drawn or hand painted so it's um it's actually in color
0: wow um
1: and it's, it's a beautiful postcard to look at. And it's actually part of a set of three that I found. And, um, you know, it's it's pretty amazing to note that they actually looked at it back then. You can see, still see part of the band, but you can also see the people in front. Normally, the photos are taken from another perspective. This one's taken from the, the crowd.
0: I want to say it's like people with selfie sticks or, um,
1: you know, just holding their phones up to concerts,
0: <laughs> the modern-day yeah, equivalent.
1: There's, there's a lot of um, analogies we could take from social media when we're looking at all these things. Yes. And, and then if they sent it across the country, of course, you know, instead of having the messages there yes. instantly, you'd have it there yeah. in a couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> Jeremy, what's your favourite item from your collection?
1: I think the postcards, and I think, like I said, the South Street postcards are pretty special. I think the ones of the Australian National Band are also pretty special because that was one of our most famous exports. They went to, to the UK, they beat the UK bands at um, what they were doing best, and they came home to a hero's welcome. I think, and they took the best bandsmen they could find from anywhere in Australia. There's also another one of the... um our national broadcaster military band in a recording studio in 1930. And I think that's also pretty special because that's um, one of the rare ones will actually have a, a military style band with woodwinds as well. And again, that band was probably some of the best musicians in Melbourne. So yeah, that's also pretty special.
0: Tell us where people can find out more about you and the research that you do.
1: The research is pretty easy. I have a quite an extensive blog now it's got over 36 posts on it um that's band blasts from the past i think i'm the only one in australia who does something like this so it's um yeah it's quite a bit of work to put the articles together but um i believe they're making a difference there are a couple of them that touch on um the british bandsmen as well like the visiting adjudicators and um i don't know if you've heard of james Ord Hume.
0: yes absolutely
1: yeah well he, he figures he's quite prominent in some of my um blog posts with his opinions Um, oh he was a very forthright forthright bandsman when he came to australia but he was one of the instigators of our massive rise in improvement okay Um, and he (laughs) visited 22 years later and um as adjudicating again and and noted the difference so band blast from the bust is my blog um that's the main source of research um I'm also on Facebook where people can find me, and every so often when I get a new acquisition, that goes onto a few um, brass band history pages. I do a lot of cross-posting, I I admit. Um, So that's the main part where they can find me, is is basically the blog and um, on Facebook.
0: Jeremy, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your information about all the postcards, badges, mementos that you have. Brass is a worldwide network and the fact that we're talking about names that are known in the UK, in Australia, America, it just shows how extensive it is. So thank you again. Thank you. If you like the podcast, please help to grow by liking, sharing, rating and reviewing. You can also support the podcast by leaving a tip or buying a perk, including asking my next guest a question or getting a shout out via pod inbox. Links in the show notes. Podcast music is Mephistopheles performed by the Illinois Brass Band.